Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your great mercy today, and we thank you for the many ways um, that you have blessed us in our lives. We pray, Lord, you would open our ears, our hearts, our minds, and meet us here with the power of your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm Andrew. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here at Emmanuel. Uh, we are thankful to have you here with us for this Christmas Eve, and we hope your time here is a blessed time today. Uh, we've been talking through Advent here at Emmanuel the last four weeks, uh, and how Advent is a season of anticipation and hope. And there's many things in our lives that we hope for and we look forward to. Uh, so each year we reflect on this tangible experience of hope and of peace and of joy and of love that we find in Jesus Christ. One of the ongoing themes that we have here at Emmanuel is this reality that we can actually experience those things. If you've listened to some of our sermons this month, you've heard that. We can experience the hope, we can experience the peace, we can experience the joy, and we can experience the love because God is all of those things. And simply knowing God through his son, Jesus Christ, helps us to experience those things so that they become felt, they become real, they become steady and part of the foundation of our lives. Not just know about them, but experience them, to know them. Through knowing Jesus, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand this story that we celebrate each year at Christmas. And what that story turns into as we look at Jesus' life and Good Friday and Easter in the empty tomb. It helps us to understand the scriptures and discern the world around us. If you've checked out the world lately, it is not an easy place to understand, right? It's messed up. And the Holy Spirit helps us discern that. And it, the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us grace to live each day for Jesus' sake and to live each day as a day that we can experience all those good things that God has for us to experience that he created for us to experience. So that's Advent for us, and the same truth rolls into Christmas today. The same truth continues in our celebration. When Christmas comes, when Christmas comes we remember the moment in God's incredible amazing, great story where all of these things are realized in the flesh in a most unexpected and uh, unexpected and, and really small, unassuming way through this baby born to a virgin with no status, with no wealth, with no unique qualities in the eyes of the world. Christmas Eve for us today is a time where these questions about hope peace, joy, and love are answered. And the hope overflows as we remember the one who came to save us from our sins. And we find that in all those things in life that we wait for, that we long for, the stuff that God put in the depths of our heart and our souls, the stuff he created us to long for, in Jesus Christ, all of those things like hope, peace, joy, and love, they find their answer in Jesus Christ alone. Because the light has come. And it shines in those dark places in our lives. So in reflecting on this, we talk a lot about the light around Christmas. That's our theme this Christmas, light has come, if you haven't picked up on that. And uh, sometimes when we talk about the light, you think about those dark times in your life or those dark seasons. Uh, so have you ever been in a dark place? Maybe physically in a dark place. I remember when I was younger, I went to Wind Cave in South Dakota with my family. How many of you have been on a cave tour before and gone down into the earth and raise your hand if they turned all the lights off, just to show you what it was like. Yeah, been there. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. 
Maybe you've physically been in a dark place, or maybe you've emotionally been in a dark place. Or, or your, your health, or your mood, or your, um, your thoughts and your feelings have been in a dark place. I remember two times in particular I was physically in a dark place, like surrounded by actual darkness. Uh, one time was really neat, one time wasn't. Uh, so one time I was in Boy Scouts in middle school and high school, and one year we took this colder November, December winter camp out uh, down to a camp in southeast Iowa, Howard Cherry, I think if you've ever been there. And a few of us scouts were out after dark, and the fire was dying down, and we were far enough away from all the city lights and from the cabin lights, and as the fire went down, uh, it was really dark. It can be really dark at night. And the moon wasn't out that night, but it was clear. So one of those neat things about a dark, clear night in Iowa, one that we're not going to experience tonight, unfortunately, is that you can see an incredible amount of stars, especially if you get out away from the city lights. And so we all, as around the fire, and the fire died down, and we all looked up, and we just got really quiet. Maybe you've been there before. You've just been in awe of what you've seen. We ended up laying out under the stars for an hour, maybe two, until we got cold. And, and what really took us was, over this time, there were dozens upon dozens of shooting stars. I don't know if it was one of those meteor showers or what, but it was incredible. It captivated our emotions and our minds, and we were just there. And we had some great conversations under the awe, under this dome that God had created for us. And I thought to myself, it's amazing the impact that a few small specks of light can have on the darkness around, right? Those little spots of light captivate you. They hold you. They make you wonder what's over there and what's out there. Now, another time I remember being in a dark place uh, was in my teenage years. I worked at a custodian at my home church growing up uh, as I got into high school and college. And let me tell you what, having a master key to a very large building can be really fun and really power-inspiring, right? Now, this was a church with dozens of classrooms. It had a gym, which was great to have a key to. It had 48-plus toilets that I was responsible to clean on a regular basis. Lots of bathrooms, lots of toilets. But there were also two tunnels. Well, one you could walk through, one you could crawl through. This was a big facility, right? And... Uh, Tunnels and basements can be really dark, and one of the things that we like to do, occasionally us custodians would play a fun game of sardines or hide-and-seek. And it would always be when the church was closed, and usually at night, so that it was dark, right? And under the gym, there was this place called the underground, right? Just like a cave. But there was no natural light in this space. It was the underground. It was under a concrete floor, with a, on a concrete floor, surrounded by concrete walls, and there were no lights to be seen. And so we didn't usually turn the lights on when we played this, but I had turned a light on this time because it was the underground, and there were no lights, and the dark can be scary, right? So have you ever been underground when the lights go out? Some of you said yes. Now, have you been underground when the lights go out, and you weren't the ones that turned them off, and you didn't know they were going to be turned off? Yes, you can see where this is going. Uh, it was scary. It was complete and utter darkness. And you keep waiting for your eyes to adjust and you're doing all these silly things and looking all these places and nothing happens. It was complete pitch black. And when I think about a time like that, I think it's amazing how powerful the darkness seems when there's no light to be seen. When there's nothing that you can fix your eyes on and focus on. And it's easy for all those fears that sort of stay on the edges of our minds and in the back of our mind to come to the forefront and take over when we are surrounded by physical darkness. 
You see, this is what many in the world thought and felt when Israel was waiting and waiting and waiting for the promised Messiah to come. Many people saw only the darkness. Many gave up the waiting. Many people gave up on the faith. They lost the hope because the darkness overwhelmed them, and they decided that it must not be true. And while many lost hope over those hundreds of years of waiting, there were a few that remained hopeful. There were a few that saw those subtle and often overlooked ways that God was working to bring about his plan for salvation. And there were indeed some small little lights in the darkness that stayed faithful and true to God and his promises. And if you look around the world today, here in 2023, almost 2024, maybe you're in one of those places. Maybe you feel like the darkness is overwhelming and utterly victorious, where your circumstances have caused you to give up hope, or the state of this world has caused you to just be consumed by or see only the darkness that exists in our world. Or maybe you look around and you see this dark world, but you see all these lights, and they give you hope. Maybe they're tiny lights and they're noticeable, but you pray and you long for those lights to grow brighter and brighter and to shine the light in the darkness. And friends, let me tell you, that is exactly what Jesus came to do. And that is exactly what Jesus wants for you and for this world. He wants to shine his light in the darkness. The light has come. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Along with this verse from John 1, 5, the scriptures use this imagery of light and darkness a lot to help us understand what's going on. But most of all, it is used by John, the disciple, the gospel writer, and the leader in the early church days. And so I want to speak a few truths to you from John's writings this Christmas about Jesus' light and the power that Jesus' light has for this world on a big scale and for you too. John 3, 16 through 21 has some truth for this, so I'm going to read through a chunk of that uh, with some reflection. So this is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, John 3.16 might be one of the best-known Bible verses in all of the world. If you remember Tim Tebow, people either loved him or they hated him on the football field, but he had that John 3.16 put right up on his face. And so many people went to Google what that was when they saw him playing football and when they saw that on his face. A lot of people knew it before that. A lot of people will know the verse after that. But in John 3.16, uh, it's popular because it is the proclamation of the gospel and the good news, and that resonates with our hearts because we were created to receive and experience the good news of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, God really does love the people and the world and his creation. He doesn't despise it like sometimes we're tempted to think. He loves it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, in a manger so that we won't die in Jesus. We, we actually get to live. God's love makes a way for us to experience life, and that is good news for us. Believing in Jesus is not just an attempt to live a good life. It's actually the opposite. It's the realization that we cannot live a good life apart from Jesus Christ because of our sin and because of the darkness that exists within us and around us. Only Jesus can save us from that fate. 
But through Jesus, God saves the world. And through Christmas, God begins this journey to life and salvation for all humankind. And we cannot in this day forget why Jesus came. Christmas only matters because Jesus did what God sent him to do. To show us life and to die on the cross for our sins. I like this over here. So Pastor Allison this morning preached, uh, and she was making this very obvious connection between the baby that we kind of romanticize and over-spiritualize on Christmas and the reason that this baby came. And so in the manger, we find all of it. We, we can't separate those two things. We can't separate Christmas from Good Friday. We can't separate Christmas and the new life there from the new life that the resurrection brings and the empty tomb that we celebrate on Easter Sunday. Through Jesus, God saves the world. Christmas is about that eternal life. Not just the life of a person 2,000 years ago. Does that speak to you today? Does that, does that remind you of why we're here? When you think about this baby born to Mary in a stable, do you realize that this baby is going to grow up and walk the path to death that we all deserve because of our sin? And this isn't a vague event from 2,000 years ago. No, it is a powerfully personal and profound event for you and for me when we come to know Jesus' love and grace. I'm going to continue with verse 19 of John 3. It says this, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This rings true to me. The verdict, John writes, the verdict is this. Light has come into the world, and that light is Jesus himself, the Son of God, the Savior. But even though the light comes with Jesus, many still choose the darkness, or even love the darkness. And there's two realities with that, I think, that we need to notice when we're talking about light and darkness. First, when we look at the world around us, we see many, many people who love themselves, and they love their money, and they love their power, and they love their lifestyle far more than any other person, let alone Jesus, right? Many love the darkness, and that was true when John lived and wrote this. That was true when Jesus was born, and it's been true since then and in the world. The other part of that is we look at our own lives, and if we're honest with ourselves, don't we often choose the darkness too? Don't we often choose it too? We act in our own self-interest and not in the interests of our neighbors or our family. We prioritize our own desires and we don't often think about the plan that God actually declares for us and has for us through his word. And we often choose to do things that go against God's love and against the life that he has for humanity or else the world wouldn't be so broken, right? We often choose to do those things simply because it's easier or it's more instantly gratifying to us than choosing light in the way of Jesus. So as much as we see the world loving the darkness, we can't overlook the fact that we're part of that, right? We can't just say it's their problem and not my problem. I think we all struggle with this. It's part of being human. And we struggle to live a life that is free from the effects of sin and darkness. Verse 21, I like this verse. It says, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light 
so that it may be seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Living by the truth, the truth of the Lord, of Jesus Christ, of his light, it leads us from a place of darkness and into the light. Living according to God's way, given to us in the scriptures and the Bible, it is a pathway to experiencing light. Living according to the teachings of Jesus that we read about and hear about, the example that he sets for humanity of love and compassion and kindness, it is a pathway to experience the light when we follow in his footsteps. And the light has come not so that we can stay in the darkness. Not so that we can be stuck in a cheapened life. But the light has come so that we may bask in that light and experience the love and the warmth of our Lord. And we experience the hope and the peace, the joy and the love of this season when we experience Jesus' light and Jesus himself. And there's one more passage John writes in his letter, 1 John And it says this, this is 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and we declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Friends, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And this is good news for us, because in a dark world, we need to know where the light is, and we need to know where to turn. Because in him, we find no darkness, but we do find purpose, and we find meaning, and we find grace and forgiveness that will allow us to live into this light and experience the light, even in the dark and the broken world. In him, there is hope, peace, joy, and love, no matter what our circumstances hold each day. In him we find grace. We find an identity. We find that he loves us and that he knows us, even when we fail a thousand times and a thousand times again to get it right. He still fights for us. He still loves us. He still pursues us. And he still offers his light to us even when we've been living or choose sometimes to live in the darkness. And friends, this is the gospel today. It is the good news for you and for me. And it's not a new gospel. It's the one that was proclaimed and brought with Jesus himself 2,000 years ago. The gospel is this. The light has come. The darkness has not overcome it. And the darkness will not overcome it. So in this Christmas season, we receive Jesus as the gospel We receive him as the Messiah and the way forward for our lives. In this Christmas season, God invites you to feel the warmth of his light. And I hope you experience that tonight. And he invites you to experience his love. And I hope you experience that tonight as well. Because the Holy Spirit is in all who believe. And the Holy Spirit is here in this place and wants you to experience that hope. And this Christmas season, we also remember the promise Uh, that we're not stuck in this rut forever. Uh, Jesus is alive, and Jesus has promised to return and come back. And when he does that, all that is wrong with this world is going to be made new. It's a promise. And all that is dark and all that is sinful in this world, it is going to be completely and eternally done away with. When Jesus returns, 
we will experience the light that has come like no other. But we're not just waiting for that time. He calls us to experience it today as well. So let us today embrace this light. Let's live according to the light. Let's patiently wait for the fullness of God's light to be made known when Jesus returns. And wherever you're at right now, God loves you. He, he loves you tremendously. And he has this light for you right now in this place. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your light. We thank you for the gospel. Help us to receive it and follow you. And in this place right now, Lord Jesus, help us to feel and experience and bask in the light. The light that has come, the light that the darkness cannot overcome. Help us to live as children of that light and people of that light in all that we do. Lord, continue to teach us and grow us and mold us. In Jesus' name, amen.